You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Yeah, that's fun. We're in a special season, a grand opening season. Uh, football season has kicked off too, but it's grand opening season here at North Valley. Uh, this morning, I want to welcome you. My name is Ryan Rice. I serve as the lead pastor of the church, and, and uh, last weekend was the beginning of our grand opening season here at the church. So uh, five years ago, we opened up this church, and uh, this is our first grand opening on the campus here this morning. Um, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Uh, the Apostle Paul is being um, used by God to welcome people into the new church. Jesus Christ has uh, declared and demonstrated his deity uh, He has gone to the cross, he has died, he has been crucified for the forgiveness of sins, he's been buried and he's risen again, and the the message of Jesus Christ is permeating throughout the Roman Empire, and the early church is in formation. There's a lot of Jews that had left Jerusalem who have kind of filtered into the Roman city uh, of Rome and began to take root and the churches began to grow. But the message of Jesus extends far beyond an ethnic people of Jewish uh, uh, race. And they're finding themselves being challenged to welcome people into the church. There's an ethnic diversity that is happening, and with ethnicity and race becomes also cultural uh, challenges and differences. And this morning, we're going to kick off a brand new message series called It's All About Grace. Uh, Over the next eight weeks, we're going to look at uh, when we experience God's grace as God's people, it changes us on the inside, and then we are to let that grace flow to other people. Um, This morning, if you've got a Bible, again, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, I want to read this, and we'll get started here this morning. The Apostle Paul says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This morning, what I want to focus our attention on is is looking at this big reality, this big statement. Grace welcomes for the glory of God. Paul says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The glory of God is at stake. The goodness, the grandeur, the majesty, the power of God is at stake, depending upon how well the church welcomes other people in. Um, A couple of reasons why I think uh, the glory of God is amplified when we as a Christian community welcome other people into the church, because it, it exemplifies first the unity in Christ. That no matter where you come from, no matter what's happened to you or what you've done, When you start that relationship with Jesus Christ, we're all on the same ground, amen? 
And no matter where you go in life, you can travel around the world and find this precious unity in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only the glory of God is at stake when we welcome one another in, and it highlights the unity in the church. It's the place where Republicans, Democrats, and independents can all gather together and experience the grace of God. At North Valley, I like to say we're not a right-wing church. We're not a left-wing church. We're the whole bird. So here's the deal. This morning, what I want to do is highlight the glory of God is at stake. There's diversity in the church. There needs to be diversity in the church. And God is glorified when we come together and we welcome one another in. Um, it also highlights the majesty of God that one day when we, we are uh, at the end of, uh, uh, of God's redemptive plan for humanity that we're all worshiping every tongue, tribe, and nation. So there's this beautiful unity, there's this beautiful diversity, and it magnifies and makes an incredible majesty when we're welcoming people in. 20 years ago, I met Jesus Christ I was in the mountains of Colorado. I was a stubborn, rebellious teenager kid with like the prodigal son story. I got on drugs, got girls, drugs, sex, drugs, rock and roll. That was my mantra. I remember at the time, I thought if, if I could just be like Axl Rose and play uh, Patience on the acoustic guitar, that would be cool. So I got there, and I'm sitting there strumming that song away, and there's an emptiness inside of me. Then I thought, well, maybe if I can do good in school and get academics and get off the drugs and be clean and all that stuff, I'd be happy. And so I did that. Still empty. I got good grades, and I'm at my senior year, and I'm graduating, and I'm empty. And my youth pastor, Mark DeMoss, one day he'll be sitting in a chair right here. I'm going to have you meet him. He reached out to me and said, Ryan, I want you to come on this Colorado adventure trip. And I thought I was a big outdoors guy. I loved the outdoors. And I said, sure, I'd love to go do that. Well, tell me what we're doing. We're going to go whitewater rafting. We're going to go rock climbing. We're going to go mountaineering. I said, great, who's going? And they're like, all the strong Christian kids. I'm like, that's terrible. I am going to stick out so bad. I mean, these were the kids I was, I was like, I was selling drugs to some of these kids at the time. Mark just said, don't bring your drugs. Don't bring anything. Don't, don't do that stuff. Just come. And I said, well, I did make a deal with God. If I could make it through Mexico, I would organize the Mexico uh, senior trip. And I said, if I can make it through Mexico, God, I'll listen to whatever you have to say about my life. And I got invited in as soon as I got back from Mexico. And uh, I got invited into the senior trip. So I go, and on that trip, I experience Christ. I asked him, how come I never knew you, Lord? I'd gone to church with my mom and dad. How come I never knew you? And he said to me this, not in an audible voice. He said, you never knew me. The Bible verse came to my mind and said this, whoever finds his life must lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I, I, I said, okay, I'll lose my life for you. I want a new life. I want a new identity. I want a new, a new hope, a new vision. Because I got nothing. So from there, I go back and I'm terrified not of the community. I'm actually more scared of the church. I'm scared of the church more than anything. Why? Because these are the people that I got in trouble. These are the people that I, when I went to youth group, I was a kid on the outside that they would say, okay, Ryan Rice is in the church auditorium. Please send some special guest services to monitor his activities. Make sure he's not doing any dealings or doing anything wrong. 
And, you know, of course, they wouldn't say it from the stage, but I could see the, the head leaders kind of point me out as a kid in the shadows. So I do that. I come to faith in Christ and his radical conversion. Go immediately to my younger brother and tell him, Dave, you need to turn from your rebellion and you need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he, he believed me. He believed that there was something real going on inside of me. So I went back and I got all my friends that were messed up and on drugs and I started sharing the gospel with them. And then my church was a large church of 5,000, 6,000 people in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's a small city, 180,000 or so. And they say, Ryan, your story is radical. We want to share that in the church. Would you be so brave to share your testimony? And I said, I'm terrified. They said, why? And I said, because I don't think they will welcome me in. I mean, these are the parents that I'd go on the trip and they would say, is Ryan going on that trip? No, you cannot go. There's a party after the football game on Friday night. Is Ryan going to be there? You cannot go. So I'm, I'm, I told them, I said, they might boo. They just might boo when I share my testimony. So I pray to the Lord right before I am going to do it. I said, I'll do it. I pray to the Lord. I say, Lord, I'm terrified to share my testimony to this church. There was about 2,500 people in the first service and the second service. And I said, this is about everybody I've ever wronged in my whole life. My teachers were there, Sunday school teachers, public school teachers, the police were there, the judges were there. Everybody was there that I didn't want to be there. And, I sh and I'm driving up the hill I said, Lord, what if they reject me and they don't welcome me in? And he said to me, not audibly again, but he said, Ryan, I've welcomed you. That's enough. I've welcomed you into my family. Just share what you've seen God do in your life. Do that. And then he, he impressed on my heart. He said, they're not just going to sit there. They're going to stand up and give you a standing ovation. Be not because of anything you've done, because of my grace is so good. And I thought, well, that's just a fanciful idea. That's definitely not going to happen. So I get there in the auditorium and I stand up. And I'm new to Christianity, mind you. New, very new. And I, I don't know if these are my thoughts or the Holy Spirit working. Somebody told me about the Holy Spirit. I'm looking for spirits. I didn't know what they're talking about. So I'm thinking, okay, this could be God prompting me. This is going to happen. Not sure if it is. So I get out and I'm shaking and I share my testimony. And at the very end, I see everybody, the teachers I'd wronged. I see the parents that hated my guts. Stand up with tears in your eyes and just... And the whole room lit up like thunder. And I fell down on my knees and I crawled off the stage. <laughs> I crawled. And they said, next time, don't crawl off the stage. Just stand there and you maybe point to God or something. Grace. That church extended grace to me. The Apostle Paul wants every church to be like that. Let's start praying for the roughest and the rudest and the meanest people in the valley to experience the forgiveness and the love and the grace of God, be converted, be changed, be transformed, and then let's be the ones that stand and clap and see God's grace transform people. Amen? 
This morning, I want to encourage you, grace means this, it is God's goodness towards those who don't deserve it. That's what grace is. To welcome means to take hold of. Literally in the Greek, we're going to learn in the phrase here in the Scripture, welcome means to take hold of, bring along, lead aside, gather together. The vision for this church is that we're going to be the church that welcomes people in. We welcome a community. In this grand opening season, you need to realize there'll be more and more people. Many of you are brand new to the church, and we're so glad you're here. You need to know we have this uh, paradigm, this axiom we like to repeat here at this church. We want you to belong before you believe. We want you to belong to a community of believers so you can experience God's grace and make a decision for yourself. Here's what I want you to get out of this teaching series is as grace flows to you, let it flow through you. You are a vessel of grace. You're a gatekeeper for grace. As grace flows to you like this incredible current, like we have Lake Mead and Lake Powell and all these big reservoirs bringing water into the city and these canals uh, are helpful for the entire city to thrive and exist. There, without that water, we can't do Phoenix. Grace is the same way. There is no life apart from grace. And what we can do sometimes as a Christian is we get nervous and we want to block that grace and let it pile up and damn it. Don't damn it. Don't damn it. Don't block it up. Let it flow through you. You are the vessel of grace. When I stood up and shared my testimony, it was that church that helped me to experience the redemptive power of grace. That I was deeply loved, not only by Christ, but by His church. As grace flows to you, let it flow through you. Sometimes you need to belong a long time in order to experience that grace. That's okay. Some of you started coming to church, you, maybe you started out one or two times a year, and now you're up to three or four, and now maybe it's five or six, and maybe it's 12 times, maybe it's 24 times. I want you to know we're excited that you're here. You're a part of this. Grace welcomes for the glory of God. The first thing we're going to learn this morning, the Apostle Paul is going to teach us this lesson. I like to just say he's going to help us to understand that if we're going to be a welcoming church, a welcoming community, we need to lighten each other's loads. How do you, how do you welcome people for the glory of God? Number one, you lighten the load. When you see somebody at work or you see somebody in your community and they're just overwhelmed with burdens, they got a lot going on. We can be those people that as we experience God's grace, we help lighten the load. Examples would be at, you know, in your work relationships, you know there's somebody there that has a heavy, heavy burden. And God wants to use you to help lighten the load of people around you. At church, even here, you can help lighten the load. Whatever they're under. You know, when you see those advertisements for the trucks commercials, they say it has a massive towing capacity. It has this capacity to carry a heavy load, kind of like a truck. Think about it like this, guys. If you got a three-quarter ton or a one-ton truck, when you load that truck down, does it run smoother or rougher? It runs smoother. Sometimes when you're loaded up, it actually enables you to navigate through life at a great consistency and, a, and an ability. The greater your capacity uh, for uh, lightening each other's loads will amplify the amount of how God's going to show and, and share His grace through you. 
Your load capacity is a big deal. This is what the Apostle Paul says this. He says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. I like what it says. It says that the strong have an obligation. This is not Darwinism, the strong survive, only the strong survive. It's completely opposite. That the strong are to bear with, that means literally to load up. As a Christian, you need to know as you're experiencing the grace of God, what your responsibility is to help lighten the load of the people around you, the people at work, the people in your home, to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. I want to highlight to you a little bit about what's going on here in the context. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome to encourage and exhort them to welcome people for the glory of God. The strong are those who have a great understanding of grace. They understand God's grace at a great level. The weak have a misunderstanding about God's grace and God's new covenant of grace. The weak are still stuck up and, 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 and stuck in uh, rules and regulations. The new are a little bit afraid of the grace of God. They're, it, Paul calls it the failings of the weak. It's a failing to understand the greatness of God's grace. They were stuck on Jewish food laws. They were stuck on trying to keep holy on certain days. And God had instituted a new covenant of grace. And the Apostle Paul challenges those who are stronger in the Christian faith to help those who are weaker in the Christian faith. I want to give you an example of, uh, for those of you that are um, maybe new to the Christian faith. Sometimes we can operate in two categories of um, Christian liberty, doing as much as we want because we know the grace of God is good. We can keep living like, you know, we can enjoy, we understand the scriptures and we say, man, there's so much liberty and grace. Then you can operate on the other pendulum of legalism where it's all about the Christian life, is all about uh, do's and don'ts. Um, when I first became a Christian, um, I didn't want to drink alcohol anymore. The Bible doesn't prohibit alcohol. It prohibits being drunk. But I didn't want to drink alcohol because a lot of my friends were alcoholics. So I quit for a good while. And then I met my wife, Leslie, and she came out of an alcoholic past. Um, relatives that struggled with alcoholism. She was a new believer, just like me. And uh, I knew what the Bible said. I mean, Jesus' first miracle was he made water into wine. And uh, I understood that drunkenness was bad, and I understood Christian liberty was there. You can, you can, you can do this. Um, I was stronger in my faith than she was at the time. I, had under, I understood theologically, biblically, morally, I had the right and the ability and the liberty and the freedom to have a glass of wine or whatever, and she did not like that at all, though. So when we got married, she said to me, Ryan, I cannot uh, be around you or I do not want alcohol in the home because it triggers my past. So for several uh, years, I just chose to refrain entirely, just to abstain. And in that situation, what I had to do is what this text says. It says not to please ourselves. Now, if I pushed my freedom and my liberty upon her, that's not helpful for her. 
that actually compounds her burdens. It, it triggers and sets off memories of a bad past. Are you with me? And it forces something that's not even appropriate. And so when you come to the Christian faith, you have to think about, um, even though it's permissible, it doesn't necessarily mean it's profitable. If you're going to welcome people in, you need to realize that everybody has a past. they got carrying a suitcase of baggage. And when you're interacting and caring, you need to look not only to your interest, but also to the interest of others. And to lighten the load sometimes means that you're going to have to stop doing what you're doing, even though you have the liberty to do it, and care for them. Secondly, I want to encourage you, you need to build them up. If we're going to be a welcoming people for the glory of God, we've got to build each other up. The Bible says in Romans 15 too, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. That doesn't mean please in the sense of like pleasing like a people pleaser. That means that you're doing something that's really going to help and benefit. The key in this phrase that the Apostle Paul is going for is that it's for his good. It's for one another's good and it's to build them up. With your words and your actions, if we're going to be a welcoming people, by the grace of God, we've got to help build each other up. You've heard it said before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words can tremendously hurt. With our words, we can build people up. With our words, we can break people down. What we like to say at the Rice family household is, hey, we're builders. We're going to build into people with our words and with our actions. At this church, if we're going to welcome one another, what we do is we let our words build each other up. The Apostle Paul challenges real clear instruction on how in the world are you going to welcome people for the glory of God. You can't just please yourself. You need to work on pleasing your neighbor, not a people pleaser, but thinking in the sense of what's helpful for this individual, for his good to build him up. The third thing I want to encourage you is to follow Christ's example. This is something that uh, the Apostle Paul references in Psalms, a messianic psalm, a description of who Christ was and how he took upon himself all the sins of the world. And he says this, For Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Therefore, and in verse 7, he continues with this example, and he says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. What the Apostle Paul is doing is calling you and me to follow Christ's example. If we're going to welcome people in to experience the grace of God, we need to follow Christ's example. What I love about Jesus Christ is this. This is not uh, in your notes, but you might want to write this down, is that Jesus was inclusive in his relationships, but exclusive in truth. That paradigm, that axiom helps me connect with anybody that is far from God, regardless of their belief, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of anything. I believe that Jesus was the most inclusive person relationally in the world. He was not only inclusive, I mean, think about it. He hung out with a prostitute. He hung out with uh, the adulterers, the religious legalists. He hung out with the with the, the licentious people that lived in a, a license to sin over and over again. He hung out with them relationally, but he was exclusive in truth. 
Jesus said radical statements like this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Inclusive in relationships, yet completely exclusive in truth. See, it's okay as a church that we can be radically inclusive towards people that are not like us. It's critical. The glory of God is at stake here on how well we welcome one another in. But at the same time of the inclusiveness of relationships, we must always be inclusive or exclusive in truth, meaning there is one way to salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. That the only forgiveness of sins is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are things that are essential for us to hold on to if we're going to continue to be a welcoming people. What happens is, is the churches that hold to inclusive relationships minus the exclusive truth fall into progressive liberalism. Watering down the Word of God, not holding to the deity of Christ, not holding to the truths of Scripture. Oh, it's all about welcoming people, all about relationships. Yes, 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 but never at the cost of the incredible exclusive truth of Christianity. Christianity is totally different than every other religion. And it comes around the good news of Jesus, who he is, that he is who he says he is. And so fourthly, I want to encourage you, if we're going to welcome people, we need to do this, is we need to follow the instructions. Following the instructions. How many of you, when you get a a new TV or a new game system, you follow the instructions? Raise your hand. Come on, who's the instruction readers? Raise your hands. Okay, I'm not in that group. I'm with the rest of you, okay? I never read the instructions. I set it up the best of my ability, and then when it doesn't work, my wife says, why didn't you read the instructions? I'm like, it's intuitive. Actually, Apple phones are very intuitive. Um, Following the instructions is huge. When I was a Colorado guide, I became very familiar. I spent five summers in Buena Vista, Colorado, navigating uh, youth kids, Christian and non-Christian kids, teenagers, and some executive groups, some business groups through the mountains of Colorado. And I had the privilege to take them and summit uh, 14,000-foot peaks on a weekly basis. I became kind of an expert in the field of backcountry in Colorado. I was a trip leader. And I became slightly um, aware of my skill level, and I started to dismiss the maps. Fatal error, literally. Um, I didn't take a map on this one area that they nicknamed the Bermuda Triangle uh, of the Collegiate Peaks. And I did not take a map, and I got flustered. A storm came in and set over us, and uh, we were about to summit, and I kept pushing and pushing our people when I didn't understand exactly where we were. I thought was the summit, wasn't the summit. We just kept going and going, and a massive storm system came down, hailed and lightning on us. We scattered the group, 14 people, scattered the group along the mountainside. People are struggling now with hypothermia. They're, they're covered around little trees. I don't know where people are. And my, my support guide says to me, Ryan, where's the map? And I said, what map? He said, you got to be kidding me. And then he pulled out his map and he said, I've got a map. And he 
And he, I said, well, I think we're here. And he goes, no, no, no. And he got the compass and he set it down. We did triangulations. And he said, Ryan, you're, you're, I was so panicked. I was holding the map upside down. He goes, it might help if we do this. And from that point, we were able to navigate on. Life lesson learned right there. Always follow the instructions. The Bible kind of stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Bible, B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Basic instructions before leaving earth. What Paul says right here is that the Old Testament scriptures are incredibly helpful, powerful principles and truths that can never be forgotten. He says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. That it is through the endurance as we're learning the instruction, what was formerly written, that's the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul is pointing back and saying there's so much to learn here. You can't forsake the Scriptures. You've got to be in the Word, a people of the Word, that through endurance, that's learning from their life lessons, their struggles, their hardships, their victories, and through the encouragement of Scripture. I like to say at North Valley, we are culturally relevant yet rooted in Scripture. That's the kind of church we are. That we might have hope. This kind of hope is incredibly important. It's a hope that helps us to get through whatever we're going through. It's a hope that we might welcome other people in as we follow in these practices that we might see the glory of God in and through the local church. The last thing I want to encourage you is this, is live in harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Harmony does not mean uniformity. When I say harmony, I don't mean everybody needs to be the same. I mean harmony is a diversity and a unity all together at the same time. Look what the Apostle Paul does. He's going to make a claim for a musical illustration. He says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some of you are... Um, you have a different preference for music at church. Some of you have a different preference for preaching or the length of the service. Some of you have a different preference for how you uh, integrate your kids into the school system, homeschool, private school, public school. Some of you have a different preference on your political affiliation, Republican, Democrat, Independent. Some of you shop at Walmart. Some of you hate Walmart. Some of you shop at Whole Foods. Some of you are gluten-free. Some of you are gluten-full. I'm in that category. Some of you are Apple people. Some of you are PC people. Some of you drink, dance, and go to the movies. Some of you drink, dance, into movies. These are essentials and non-essentials. The essentials are Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That we are saved by God's grace through faith. These are the essentials in life that you hold on to. If you can't clarify what is essential in Christianity and non-essential in Christianity, you won't have harmony. I like to think about them as open-handed issues, closed-handed issues. Some things in the Christian faith are closed-handed. We're not going to argue about this because the decisions made. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There is one way to salvation. God's Word has the final authority on everything. These are close-handed issues. How we do church, open-handed. How we, how, we, how we dress, 
Some, of, some people literally have come to me and said, it's offensive to me how casual the church is. I, these are open-handed issues. We can live in harmony by understanding the difference. I want to welcome up uh, Dr. Bill Yarger, a good friend of mine, uh, with this verse in mind. The Bible exhorts us, therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's welcome Bill. I love this guy. He's, he even helped me put together this message series. Um, so my mic? Oh, you need your mic. There you go. So Bill, tell us how you found North Valley. Uh, well, I was going to another church at the time, and um, I happened to move here on uh, October 29th on a Saturday, and uh, moving all day long, and um, so the church that I was going to met on a Saturday night, and it was too late to go to my church. So um, got up on a Sunday morning, um, looked on the internet, and I found this quirky little church that met at a quirky, quirky. movie theater. And uh, so I did a little bit of reading about it, found out that the pastor graduated from Dallas Seminary, where I graduated. Hold your hand over your heart when you say that. <laughs> and there's, a, there's, a, there's probably a lot of cowboy fans here today. Yeah. Well, except, but they should cheer Cardinals. Except some of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I decided that I would go to the church. I loved the preaching, uh, loved the music. Um, Enjoyed it. Uh, I met Rima Torres, and she uh, told me a lot about the church. Um, I really enjoyed the experience um, and um, lear learned about it. I uh, heard that they were doing a vision presentation up here at the site that night, and I was curious, so I came to the vision presentation that night. But, but the real reason that I'm here at the church is because of Andy Branch. And um, Andy um, did more than just shake my hand and give me kind of a polite smile. He took an interest in me. He wanted to get to know me. He asked me questions and um, um, made, made a friend that morning. And he invited me to a neighborhood group that met on Tuesday night. And I went that Tuesday night and I felt like I belonged. Felt like I was part of that family. And um, uh, it was really interesting because I was very involved in the church that I was going to. I was serving in that church. I was counseling for the church. I was heading up family ministry in the church. But on Wednesday morning, after going to the neighborhood group, I called the pastor of the church and I said, I I'm really sorry, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to go to this church. And um, amazingly enough, he said, Bill, I think that's a God thing. And I think you need to go to that church too. And I never went back to the church that I'd been going to. And I've been coming to North Valley ever since. And I love this church. And we love you. Tell us why, why Andy's invitation was so important for that experience. I mean, tell us why more about that. Well, I, I've been in, I was in ministry for 40 years. Um, uh, mostly in pastoral ministry, uh, both here in the Valley and then um, in Texas for 11 years. And um, 
My wife and I uh, moved back to the valley in 2013 after spending 11 years in Texas. We moved back here to be close to our family and to retire. And um, we had difficulty when we moved back here finding a church that we felt comfortable in. We were a little bit burned out from ministry and just kind of didn't find a church that we felt comfortable in. And um, so, and shortly after we got back here, my wife got real sick. And so, um, after she got sick, it was difficult to even go to church, um, much less be very involved. And so, um, here we were, she's real ill. Um, We, um, and this lasted for months, and um, so here we were, with no church home, after leading small groups for over 40 years, um, we didn't have a small group that we were part of. Um, we'd been away for, from the Valley for 11 years. So we didn't have close friends. Um, and after about 11 months of being ill, my wife passed away. I don't, I don't think I've ever been more alone in my life. And, uh, um, struggled to then, after she passed away, I think I, I was asking the question, how do I do life without Gwen? And um, then struggled to find a church and figure out life. And um, I think I tried to move on. Um, got involved, tried a couple churches, um, tried to get involved. but really didn't find a home until I found this church. Um, I have a wonderful family. Um, I don't know if you want to show the slides. Um, um, but um, had a wonderful life with my wife, Gwen. Um, I have a wonderful family. Um, three great sons. Uh, three wonderful daughters in love. Ten awesome grandchildren. Um, they're wonderful, but I need this family. I need you. And uh, I'm so thankful for this church. Um, I love this church. Bill, tell us a couple of reasons why, or tell us a couple of things that you would end on and tell on what's important about a neighborhood group or about just that welcoming experience and how powerful and important that is. Yeah, I, I would share a couple things with you. First of all, don't live life alone. Yeah. Um, I think you shared a few weeks ago that you're really in one of three places at any point in your life. You're either just um, um, coming out of a crisis, or you're in the middle of a crisis, or you're about to head into a crisis. And I really believe that's true. And um, so um, we all need one another. Uh, we don't need to be trying to live life alone. Um, and it may not be the loss of a loved one that I experienced. Um, that was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But it, it may be um, you've got problems with your job. It may be that you're struggling with your kids at the time, whether they're small or whether you're going through the teenage years. It, it may be that you're struggling in your marriage. Or it just may be life. Life is hard. Um, but don't go through life alone. Um, we need one another. 
that's one thing I'd say. The other, the other side of that is the passage that you talked about talks about um, welcoming others just as Christ has welcomed you. And, and for me, Christ welcomed this prodigal with open arms, unconditionally. And he threw a party. And he made me part of a family. Can you imagine that? And he says that I'm to welcome others as Christ welcomed me. And I have the privilege for the rest of my life, and you have the privilege for the rest of your life to welcome other prodigals. And that means more than a polite handshake and a plastic smile. That means actually um, giving somebody unconditional love. That means letting them know that they are home, that they belong here, um, that, that this is their family. And um, you and I have the privilege of doing that with all of the prodigals that God brings our way. And I'm here to tell you that, that when you love, when you welcome as Christ has welcomed you, that it can make a difference in somebody's life. And I can tell you that because it's made a difference in my life. And I love you and I love this church. Amen. Let me celebrate that. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for Bill, and thank you for just the testimony. Thank you for uh, you working in the lives of people here at this church to welcome Bill in. Uh, Lord, as a, a senior pastor, lead pastor, I find great joy in seeing when our people go out and share and show the love of Jesus Christ in the way that it happened here with Bill. Uh, may this continue to happen. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.